Hi, I am Sophie Eden and welcome to a special BeaverPod episode for Mental Health Awareness Month this May. Today I'm joined by Kirsty Pickles and we are going to be chatting about how mental health first aid is a great first step to becoming a more supportive practice of mental health. So Kirsty, how nice to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. And how did you first come across mental health first aid? So the the concept of mental health first aid, I first came across when I um, started at the University of Nottingham about two and a half years ago now. And they had, the university was engaged in rolling out the mental health first aid program across the university. And within the vet school, there were already two other um, mental health first aid instructors who were running uh, mental health first aid courses at the vet school. Um, and I was very interested because of my background and um, interest in mental health, I was very interested in training also to be an instructor, um, which I have now done. And so together we run courses at the vet school for staff and students. And across the university as a whole, we've probably got about, um, I think, six or seven mental health first aid instructors. So the vet school is is very um heavily represented in that in, oh, wow. in having three instructors yeah and how how do you think that's helped the vet school since that started um i would like to think i don't have any categorical evidence evidence but i would like to think um that we have trained a lot more staff and students in mental health awareness uh, what mental health is and and how important it is to overall health. There is no health without mental health. And um, we now have, uh, so we've trained lots of mental health first aiders now within the school, and we've tried to get um, as many students facing staff as possible to to go through training, either the whole um, two-day mental health first aid, or there's also a, a shorter, there's also shorter courses like mental health aware. Um, courses which is a half day Uh, and also students can go on these courses to become mental health first aiders as well and so we've got um, a cohort of students that are trained in looking out for um, signs of poorer mental health uh, amongst their their friends and the whole idea about being uh, a mental health first aider is that you will initiate a conversation if you if you are worried about um, a, a colleague and mm. and it's having the um, the comfort of of knowing what to say, how to approach somebody, and knowing how to signpost. That's amazing to think that there are a whole cohort of students that are going to be going into the world and graduating with this awareness and feeling more confident to have some of those conversations because I think sometimes you just if you've not been trained in any way it can be really scary to have those initiate those conversations can't it yeah and and the whole two-day first aid course is a pretty intense course and it covers you know some pretty weighty topics like suicide and it teaches you how to approach somebody. You know, the worst thing you can do is not to initiate a conversation at all if you suspect someone's having suicidal thoughts. So the only wrong thing to do is not say anything, basically. Um, So it gives people the confidence 
to be able to approach somebody and, and start that conversation. And, you know, I should also say that all the students at the, at the vet school undergo um, mental health awareness training within the course. So all students should have some level of awareness. Um, and that mental health awareness runs throughout the whole five years and they have different bits in different years. Um, but then to have this cohort of students that, you know, are really um, much more savvy about signposting and, and spotting first signs, I, th- I do think is really useful. Yeah. Mm. And have you had feedback from either those students or anyone else that you've sort of trained in mental health on how they have then found having that knowledge in practice once they've graduated or from other vets that have trained? Not really had feedback from students who've left and gone into practice, but the most feedback really we've got is from staff who have felt enabled to open up conversations with students who have been struggling. So they might be their personal tutees or even somebody, you know, in one of their courses that they've noticed is is um, seeming to to struggle or, you know, has changed, something has changed with that person. And they've, we've had quite a lot of feedback from staff saying it's really enabled them to open up that line of conversation and, and give the person support. And obviously at the university, there are lots of support systems, which is really, really helpful. Um, and, and so whilst, you know, this is all great, what we actually don't know really is, is much about what happens after they've left and um, whether people are using it much on the other side and, and, um, hope, you know, we do give them lots of resources to, to know where to signpost. Um, but in, in the university, obviously there's lots of in-house services as well that Mm. they can access, um, which obviously they don't have the same access to once, once they've left, but once part of being a first aider is knowing and actually having access to a huge amount of resources. Now, if you train as a mental health first aider, there's an app that you have on your phone, which um, can signpost you to all sorts of support as well. Oh, cool. A really, really, yeah, a really great app to have on your phone actually is Hub of Hope. Um, And that's free to download, but you can, you could be on holiday, I don't know, in Devon or wherever. And, um, Mm. I think that's where you live, but see, that's an exotic, is, yeah. that's an exotic <laughs> holiday location to me. Um, I mean, it doesn't look exotic today. I can <laughs> promise you that. Um, so you, you can type in any postcode basically, and it will come up with the local resources in that area for signposting for mental health support. So it's super oh, wow. useful. So, it, you know, even if you were on the phone to your auntie in Inverness or something and they disclosed that they were really struggling, you can quickly put in, ask her for her uh, postcode, put that in Hub of Hope and it will come up with the local resources for all sorts of things, you know, drug addiction, alcohol um, addiction, um you know, mental health support, suicidal ideation, all, you know, all the different supports in that area will come up. So it's super useful to have on your phone. Oh, wow. We'll have to put that in the um, hub for hope, did you say? Hub of hope, yeah. Hub of hope. Yeah. Um, That is an amazing resource to have. Um, And I suppose then that's kind of comes on to uh, what people can take away from mental health first aid and how they can then incorporate that into general equine practice life and what are your thoughts on that 
So I think it would be really, really super if there was a mental health first aider in every practice. Um, and then that person would be there a little bit, I guess, just as a, like kind of a, a sentinel almost looking out for people who might be um, just not feeling as great as as they might. And they mm-hmm. can, um, you know, initiate those conversations. But also it's not just about waiting for things to go wrong. It's really about promoting well-being as well. So um, running with lots of initiatives like My Whole Self, um, which is a day which is supported by Mental Health First Aid England, whereby, um, you know, you talk about all the different aspects of yourself. Um, and so, you know, I might say, so, you know, like you go to work and people see you as mm. an equine vet and that's, you know, perhaps all the receptionists might know you as an equine vet, but it's about telling them the other things about you as well and being open, um, about the other aspects of you. So, you know, I, I might, um, say I'm an equine vet, um, I'm a runner, I'm a mum of two children. I'm a wife. It's all the different roles. I'm I'm a daughter. Um, I'm autistic. Um, I struggle with depression. You know, so they're all the aspects that make up you as a person, and you're okay about bringing your whole self to work, so people can mm. see the whole of you. Um, and it, you know, it, it's to try and reduce stigma. That's another really important thing about mental health first aiders. They're about reducing stigma uh, around mental health. And we know that a lot of the reason that people don't talk about feeling rubbish um, and feeling depressed or anxious or suicidal is because they are afraid of how that will be taken by other people. There's still a lot of stigma about being seen as weak, um, about having to ask for help, about maybe needing time off because you're really struggling. Mm. And it, it's about, it's okay. One in four people will suffer from mental um, ill health in their life. And, you know, if you need help, it's appropriate to ask for it. If you break your ankle, you would ask for help. It, you know, it's to try and put it in the same light. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I think um, it's that weird thing of, yeah, if you broke your ankle, you wouldn't expect you as an individual to be able to fix that. You would go to a hospital, get an x-ray, get a cast, have surgery and a plate in it. Like if you're like me and you've displaced your flipping fracture, Um but and so why on earth do we expect to be able to fix all our own mental health illnesses or issues or any dysregulation we might have ourselves and but it can be really difficult to get the courage to seek that help can't it and i think like you said when there's that stigma around it it makes it even less comfortable and i suppose then my next question is does it matter who in the practice is a mental health first aider? Because I suppose one trend I've seen um, is that often the people that train as mental health first aiders are the people that have potentially had negative experiences themselves and they don't want other people to go through that. And as much as I think that is a really valuable way for them to give back, I wonder... um, 
how much that helps or like do we need other people in the practice to be getting on board with it and how do we do that? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think people who have experienced it are inherently more often more interested in, in training as a mental f- health first aider for exactly the reasons you've said. And I think they tend to be compassionate and they can bring a great level of awareness and comfort to other people by, um, you know, being able to, to sometimes share experiences and trying to um, alleviate any worries that people might have saying, look, you know, I've been where you are and you will get through this. And, and that can be helpful in its own right. But equally, yes, um, you know, you have to be careful that people are in a good place themselves. Um, And and, and again, part of being a mental health first aider is knowing how to maintain your own well-being and and how to say, now I need to take a step back if you're not feeling great yourself. So relying on only one person, particularly in a larger practice, would be... um, a risky, a risky thing. You know, you ideally you would want more people. And I think having people from different sectors is, is really good. Like, you know, have a vet, have a vet nurse and have a receptionist or, you know, quite a lot of, um, managers are also training, which I think is really good. And there's actually, Mm -hmm. um, mental health first aid England have a whole line managers resource, um, around mental health and how to approach situations arising from mental health. And mm. and that's free to download on the Mental Health First Aid England website. And that is a really, really good resource about how to support people coming back to work after a period of time, after mental um, mental health issues. And, and that can be really useful. So having people in management who are trained in first aid is really, really important. And I think it's really good to, to have the level of awareness um, you know, in the managerial roles as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, because I think ultimately, regardless of the size of the practice, if you're struggling with your mental health, the person above you has to know at some point whether you've just got one boss within a small practice or that's a line manager within a large corporate. um, If you're struggling and you need help, you might have other people, I suppose, in the practice that you reach out to in the meantime, but a lot of the time you might have to have a discussion with the person above you as to what support you need in the practice. So I think that's great. And I think I think it can be really tricky for those people who have never experienced mental ill health of any sort to have an understanding of it. Um, I definitely remember when I was a student um, and I don't even know if my mental health was super robust then, but I remember looking at other people that were maybe struggling with mental ill health within my year and just being, and it can be really easy to be judgmental of it and not understand the pressures and the struggles that they're going through. And I suppose, have you chatted with people with this who potentially didn't have much of an understanding and then going through either the first aid training or the mental health awareness have then got a greater understanding from that? Yeah, it always surprises me when I guess, you know, you only kind of know your own experience, don't you? And I suppose Mm. I've, you know, had so many dealings with mental health that 
I forget that other people sail through, or seemingly to me, sail through life without ever skirting the edges of mental health um, issues. And um, yeah, and there there are people who who go through the course and yeah, totally have their eyes opened to um, to anxiety, depression, what. That feels like, and the great thing about the mental health first aid course is that um, it uses um, it. It the the training is uh, from some di- several different forms. You know, it it does exercises with people to sort of make them realize what it would be like, and it does case scenarios. But it also has videos of people talking about lived experience, and they are really, really. Um, moving uh, videos and really I think highlight to people and it's people talking very openly about their experiences and I think that is one of the most enlightening aspects of the course for people who have never really come close to those issues before Um, and because we're all you know sort of trapped in our own experience it you know, people haven't necessarily realised that the reason that people are acting and behaving the way they are are related to how they're feeling internally, and it's just been a lot deeper than than they ever imagined. And I think it, yeah, we've had a lot of feedback from people saying that they found it really educational because they had no awareness at all of those issues. That's really great to hear because, yeah, and I. I suppose that would be my sort of message to anyone that if you're not, if you find it hard to understand or you're not aware, then actually going on a course like this might help you be able to empathize with your colleagues, friends, family members um, in a way that you've potentially found difficult before. Because it is when you've not had a lived experience of something, it can be so difficult to empathize understand with it in any way can't it um i'm glad you brought up the word empathy actually um there's an i don't know if you've seen it there's an absolutely brilliant brene brown empathy video um i mean i thought i'd seen all of her stuff so i might have watched (laughs) it once but if i haven't i need to go and find it It, well it's a little cartoon it's like literally about two three minutes long And it's actually in the mental health first aid course. Um, And it's a cartoon thing that she narrates. And it basically talks about the difference between empathy and um, and, and sympathy. And empathy is, well, I I don't want to spoil the video. You must go and watch it. Mm. Um, But I think I know, is it the cartoon one with them stuck at the bottom of a hole or something along those lines? Yes, yes. I'll find the link and put it on the show notes because, yeah, I think empathy versus sympathy is a big one and understanding the difference of the impact. uh, It's huge impact. Yeah, and and so it has some – the course is full of little things like that which Mm. really, really hit home with people. Um, Mm. And, and you know, like – it makes me realize the times that I've got it wrong and getting it wrong is fine. You know, we all get things wrong all the time and it's about learning from that and, um, and doing it slightly better the next time. And that, so that's one of the sort of, that's always one of the really great moments when that little light goes on and people are like, Oh yeah, I've done that. 
Mm, which I think that's so true. I think um, conversations around anything that potentially makes us a little bit uncomfortable, mental health being one of them, I think a lot of the time people don't even want to start the conversation because they feel they can't get it all right. And because they can't get it all right, they mustn't go there. And actually having a slightly imperfect conversation about it and learning something from it is far more valuable than not having the conversation in the first place really, isn't it? And the thing that you need to get, the one thing you need to get right is listening. It's not the, it's not the giving, it's not giving advice. It's, it's not, you know, telling people what to do. It's listening and getting the listening right. And, and so another part of the, the course is about listening how to listen um, attentively, and and that's actually you know keeping your mouth shut and keeping your ears open predominantly. And so you know you think, well, how could you get listening wrong? It's because we're all so so determined to give advice. Oh, but why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? People are not asking you for advice. People are not there to you know. If they wanted advice, they would say, what do you think I should do? They are literally wanting to talk about how awful they're feeling um, about the situation and actually just listening and nodding, you know, giving those nonverbal cues that you're listening, that you're paying attention, that you're hearing what they're saying, that you're empathizing with the experience. That must be so difficult for you. I'm so glad you've told me. Can you tell me more about that? And then they really feel heard. And that's what makes a difference to them. Not the fact that you said, have you thought about going to, you know, such and such? Yeah. And I think, um, I think as professionals within the vet space, we all presume that we're good listeners because we're like, oh, I know how to take a history. I know how to listen to clients. And, um, and I suppose we've both, well, I suppose if you'll have had some on the mental health first aid training, but I suppose uh, where we've both been training as coaches, learning the different levels of listening Mm. and the importance of active listening um, within a coaching space has maybe opened me up to how I could have listened better to clients and been a better vet if I had understood really what attentive listening is because I think so often we listen to know what we're going to say next um, rather than listening to hear. Yes, exactly. Um, You know, and as vets, we are trained to diagnose, to treat, to give an opinion. And that's, you know, not what we need to do as mental health first aiders. You know, we are there as the first line support um, and to signpost. You know, it's not about diagnosing or, you know, telling people what to do at all. So, you know, being there for support for somebody is is the key thing. Mm. And I suppose one thing then is how we integrate or how we use a mental health first aider as that first step to being a more um, mental health friendly, that's a correct term to use, practice in, because I'm aware that sometimes it can be easy to just tick a box and say we have a mental health first aider in the practice and and that's us doing the right things. And so what would those next steps look like rather than just being like, we've got a mental health first aider, that's all we need to do. I know you talked about that whole self part. What else could a practice do to incorporate things and move forward? Yeah. And 
that yeah that's sort of my fear that 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 people do it as a tick box exercise and think that that's it <laughs> we've done mm. that now <laughs> um but it is about supporting that movement going forward so mental health first aid send emails out to mental health first aid is about all the different initiatives like mental health awareness month and and all those things so it's about sort of continual promotion of those of those things and and well-being initiatives which you know help support people on an ongoing basis and you know um keeping a level of awareness going so it needs support you know ongoing support it's not just a case of right we'll send that person on the course and then that's it it's about allowing that person time and space to continue promoting it and you know if you know maybe having another person go the next year you know so you can build your network and then you know ideally you know my matters initiative have been running courses um for people as well so hopefully there will be more and more people out there and then it would be really great if if some sort of ongoing initiative could um be established where there was a bit of a network of people who could you know talk to each other and and talk about how you know how they've been getting on and any issues that have right obviously you know completely confidential confidentially not um talking about individual cases but just you know, maybe just checking in with each other. If there was a bit more of a network that became established saying, you know, I've had quite a tough month, actually. We've had a few people that, you know, have been finding things difficult and, you know, it'd be nice to just to chat in with somebody else and find out, you know, what they're doing in their practice to try and support people. I think that'd be a really um, nice thing going forwards. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm envisaging a nice little equine veterinary professionals mental health first aid network yeah <laughs> that I might mean, be a, a new project the my matters initiative were hoping to have a mhfa um you know first aid a facilitated reflection um session and it was meant to be at the beginning of the year and it, and it got postponed and i'm really hoping they you know my Matters initiative have been so good at at you know supporting mental health and the mm. mental health first aid courses and what have you and i think you know it's important to to keep that initiative going and some i think some group facilitated reflection would be really useful mm. um which i'm aware we're coming to the end of our time today kirsty but if anybody has been interested by what we're talking about in looking into becoming a mental health first aider or learning a bit more about it where do they need to go so they can look on the Royal College My Matters Initiative website. They um, it have some mental health first aid courses that you can apply to go to go on um, interspersed throughout the year. Also, if your practice is interested in sending you on a course, you can go to Mental Health First Aid England, um, which is mhfa.org.uk and you can look at which courses are running and you can sign up for courses um you can you know if you were a big corporate practice you could um actually organize a, a training course for a number of practices uh, you can have up to 16 delegates on a on a mental health first aid course um 
you, so yeah, you can, you can, um, you can ask me to run a course and I will very happily come and do that for you. And it, it is a, a really good initiative that I really hope we see taken forward. Fantastic. That sounds, um, hopefully some people can, we'll put those links in the show notes as well. And hopefully people can then go there and learn a bit more and we can try and make a more, um, supportive mental health space within the equine profession. So thank you very much for joining me today, Kirsty, and sharing your knowledge on mental health first aiders with us and hope that this has been helpful to some others. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.